Welcome to It's Still Bedlam. I'm Ryan Aber, joined by John Helsley. Uh, John, how you doing this week? I'm doing quite well. I've got to, a few days here to kind of regroup and recoup a little bit and get ready for another game on the weekend. Yeah, it's a pretty nice week for, for Oklahoma basketball fans. Monday, uh, we had both teams going. Uh, with uh, Oklahoma State playing at Baylor in a big-time game. And then right after that, uh, Oklahoma hosting Iowa State in another uh, fantastic game, especially for uh, local fans. And then get a chance to rest and relax a little bit before another uh, huge Saturday in Big 12 action. But we'll start with Monday since uh, that was just, like I said, a, a huge day for both these teams and uh, the the state of both programs. Uh a big win for Oklahoma State over Baylor in Waco, seventy-four to to sixty-five. What was your uh, biggest takeaway there? My biggest takeaway from that game and really this stretch of three that they've won, Ryan, is, is the sort of the toughness that this team is developing. And I mean, I mean mentally tough. Um, they've sort of. I don't even think it's sort of. I think they've definitely taken on the personality of Travis Ford because that's kind of who he is. That's who he was as a basketball player. Um, they'll tell you, and it's true, they're not the most talented team in the league, but they really play hard, and I think they've all finally bought into that. Hey, if we'll just play hard, play good defense, get after teams, it can do us well. And uh, and that's what I saw again Monday at the, against Baylor. You know, they got down in the first half a couple of times by eight, and you started to think, okay, you know, <laughs> Baylor's about to, to, to go on a run of some sort here. But the Cowboys kind of hung around and, and, and used that toughness to get back in the game and, and then really just took control in the second half. And, um, you know, it, it's an interesting three-game run they're on right here. Yeah, and you talked about this team uh, taking on the the identity of Travis Ford, uh, who I think has done a fantastic job this year. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, there's a lot of talk over whether he should be bought out. Uh, not too long ago, just a couple weeks ago, and, and now the the talk is well, uh, is there any other possible candidate for Big Twelve Coach of the Year? Because he looks like a pretty uh, solid candidate there. But it also seems like they've taken on, or well, I guess LeBron Nash has taken on that identity as well, and that's sort of fed to everybody else. I mean, all year it's sort of been, you know, whatever. Whatever mood LeBron Nash is in, whatever he's tone he's setting, that's what where the Cowboys are going to go, and it's been very positive of late, and that's translated into big time wins. Yeah, and, you know Travis even talked about this the other night after the game is that if you're going to play this, I mean if this is who you are and it, it is who OSU is, it requires everybody to buy in and, and be on that same page. And and you're right, Nash has played. Um, more consistently hard recently. He's even he's even playing better on defense. You know, he's he's moving his feet better. He's you know he, he's just being more active on that end. And um, you know, th- th- obviously that helps because the the guy can score. You know, yeah. And, and, There's and no he, no doubt about his offensive talent. Right. The guy can score, and they need him as a scorer. Um, and, and I think the fact that he's playing harder, more. Uh, in games for 40 minutes or, or or at least approaching 40 minutes is transitioning some to the offensive game. And he was huge against Baylor, and he's he's kind of that guy against their zone that the ball goes into him. If the double team comes, he's got to be the guy to get then get it in the right spot. Um, when the double team didn't come, he scored the other night. When it did, he, he really kicked it around. And uh, I thought they had great ball movement against the zone. 
They had 21 assists on 25 field goals, Ryan. That's that's pretty <laughs> good right there. Yeah, no doubt about that. Anthony Hickey had seven of them. Jeff Newberry had six. Uh, Newberry's been playing pretty well too. He has, and you know he he's always given them you know a, a certain element. He's been a very good defender all year. He's an energy guy. Um, you know, kind of has that toughness we talked about. His shot has been very inconsistent, especially about the last couple of weeks. But uh, second half, he knocked down a couple of big threes, uh, hit some other shots for them. And, you know, if they can get that from from somebody, whether it's Newberry or Shine or, you know, Hickey had some big shots. You know, they were three of 15 from three-point range in the first half. Hickey had all three threes. And, and they were, you know, critical for them to hang around. So if somebody else can contribute, this team looks a lot better. Yeah, and that critical stretch was right in the early in the second half when uh, OSU's outside shots weren't falling much early. They were able to hang around and, and scrap and stay in the game. But uh, in the second half, it seemed like everything that they threw up for that first few minutes from outside was going in and allowed them to start stretching out the margin and, and finally put the game away. Yeah, and it was – it was almost like methodical, like, you know, once the shot started going and, and then they get the lead and then they kind of stretch the lead and Baylor made a little bit of a run and then Phil Forte hits a big three. Um, yeah, it was uh, – they were pretty much in control of that game for about the last 10, 12 minutes of the second half, which, you know, I, I thought that game set up as a classic letdown game. You've just won a couple of big ones. It's a quick turnaround. Forte was still dealing with the flu. Um, but, hey, they uh, – they, they didn't let any of that enter into the equation. They wanted to win that game, and uh, and they wanted it bad, and, it, and they ended up getting it. And we didn't get a chance to talk, uh, record another podcast after the, the big win on Saturday, so let's talk about that a little bit more because that's uh, certainly worth discussing. Uh, the job that they did against Kansas and uh, – not quite, not identical, but pretty similar. They were able to hang around in the first half, and then, uh, you know, finally got some some momentum going in the second half that uh, got things turned around, and uh, they were able to upset the Jayhawks. They would have liked to have pressured Kansas in the first half, which is was really critical to to them making that comeback in the second half. They got in some foul trouble. Nash had two fouls. Cobbins had two fouls. I think it made them play, you know, less aggressive than they wanted to. They came out and started pressing from the get-go in the second half. And it wasn't all about the turnovers as much as it was uh, getting Oklahoma State playing a, an aggressive style again. And they got some fast break points and really sort of changed the entire mood of the game. Eventually they did get some turnovers, and it seemed to really impact Kansas and, and what they wanted to do on uh, on the offensive end. Yeah, and that sort of leads into the other side of this Bedlam discussion. But uh... – you saw you got a up close look against Kansas. Uh, Ubre didn't have much of an impact in that game at all. Some of the the young guys that we talk about, uh, Devonte Graham didn't uh, either. Uh, is Kansas still, in your mind, going to go to this uh, Big Twelve title pretty handily, or uh, does another team, say Oklahoma, uh, have the ability to push them? Well, yes, I think somebody does have that ability. Um, I don't know that Kansas will lose at home. You know, it doesn't look like they're going to lose at home. I think that would be a key part of the equation, perhaps, for somebody because what's what, they still have a two-game lead. Yes, yes, and one they they play head-to-head in Norman. 
Uh, Kansas, um, I'll try to bring up their schedule, but I know they play West Virginia both home and away uh, down down the stretch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, certainly Morgantown is a, a tough place to play. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's tough to see them uh, falling at home uh, down the stretch. But if things fall apart for them on the road, then that, that could be enough to keep the door open if OU does what they need to do. And that's going to include winning a game uh, in Ames, which is going to be difficult. Yeah, and, you know, o- OU would almost have to win that home game, one, because, you know, it closed the gap. But then, two, you keep Kansas from having the tiebreaker. You know, right. if, if it ends up being you and Kansas, you, you know. Yeah, so. I, I think they have to beat Kansas yeah. if, they, if yeah. they have any hope of winning the conference. Uh, but you know, look at look at Kansas' schedule. Uh, Saturday they host Baylor. Uh, Baylor can be a tough matchup mm-hmm. just because of that zone like we talked about, but it is in Lawrence, and the fog is you know completely different from, from any other place in this league. Then they go to West Virginia uh, uh, at home against TCU. Shouldn't be that big of a matchup. Uh, at Kansas State, uh, back in the fog uh, against Texas. Don't see them having much problem handling mm-hmm. them right now. Uh, West Virginia a few days later, and then finally end it uh, in Norman uh, against OU. So, I mean, West Virginia is going to be the team to watch here. Yeah. Because here's the deal. It's like OSU talked about Saturday. You can press the Jayhawk guards. You can. <laughs> and, yeah. And you can you can get turnovers, and you can you can pretty much dictate the game. Now, the thing I worry about with West Virginia, what we've seen recently with them, is that teams now have enough tape on how to break that press <laughs> That it's there's almost like a blueprint now. Yeah, and, and and I think to me, I think Perry Ellis has a chance to be really big in those two games. Uh, if he's able to to get the ball and move the ball up court, we've seen them have some issues against bigger guys, especially bigger guys who can move around with the ball a little bit. That's what's given West Virginia problems, and I think Perry Ellis, if he's uh, on his game, has a chance to be a big impact player in those two games. Do you sense maybe that's kind of what's happening to West Virginia because they've they've run into some some real bumps in the road here, and and teams aren't having uh, they're not having as much success maybe pressing people. Yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. I think I mean we saw what how big of a an impact Ryan Spangler and Tayshawn Thomas made in that game, especially Thomas. Uh, he was able to help break that press, take some pressure off those guards, and uh, lessen the impact. And once you get behind that defense, I mean, you're going to score some easy buckets. And, and West Virginia doesn't have the ability to come back on the offensive end because all of their offense comes from their defense. Uh, they are not good in the half court offensively uh, at all. And so, Baylor won there impressively. You know, yeah. it's like it's. It, Travis Ford talked about this a couple weeks ago. Is that when you get to this point in the league, and all of a sudden you can't even run your offense. You're not going to get, you know, you're going to run your offense, but you don't really have plays that are going to get you the same stuff that got earlier in the season because yeah. everybody knows somebody so well. Um, they know where to be. They know everything. And every team in this league is coached so well. Yeah, yeah. And so I think maybe that's a little bit of what's going on with West Virginia. They still have some talented players, and they're still pretty good. Um, but I think a little bit of that uh, that pressure defense has been neutralized. Yeah, no doubt about that. Now, you know, West Virginia uh, plays host Kansas State uh, this week. That'll be an interesting game. I think midweek, probably without Marcus Foster from from what we've been hearing, that could make a difference for them. But then they have this stretch that starts with uh, uh, at Ames, 
against Iowa State. Uh, they host Kansas, and then they play uh, at Stillwater. So three straight ranked teams, three straight teams that are overall playing pretty well right now. Uh, and OSU still got to go to Morgantown yeah. at the end of the season. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it's amazing right now that uh, West Virginia has not played either Kansas or Oklahoma State uh, this late in the season. It's been a strange schedule in a lot of respects in that, you know, OSU was done with Kansas and, and Iowa, uh, not Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State and Texas so quick. OU, too. You know, they're done with all those teams. They haven't yeah. played TCU yet. They haven't played West Virginia yet, you know. <laughs> It's just it's been a little bit of an odd Big Twelve schedule, but uh, for OSU, all of a sudden, it looks it's a good schedule because they still have three games combined left with TCU and Tech, uh, a couple of home games in there, so it looks pretty good from that from that vantage point. Yeah, no doubt. We'll flip over to the other side. We started talking about OU a little bit there, but uh, since we've last talked, OU's picked up a couple wins, stretched their winning streak to five. They haven't lost since January twenty fourth uh, in Waco. But uh, we'll go back to Saturday's game very quickly uh, a little bit later. But Monday, uh, we're able to beat Iowa State 94-83 in a tremendously exciting college basketball game that uh, I think showed a lot of people what college basketball can be when some of the reins are loosened, some of the you know things that uh, coaches tend to hold, hold things down are uh, taken away. And I, I doubt that you got to see any uh, any of it or or part of it even uh, live. But uh, just what was your takeaway, just uh, from what you've read and maybe what the highlights you've seen and something like, like well, that? Well, I'm sorry, I wasn't able to watch it, you know, <laughs> in, in live. You know, I've seen some highlights and such, but uh, entertaining, obviously, is what it sounded like it was, and um, should have been a lot of fun. I'm guessing to, to watch, and I'm sure for the players, a lot a lot of fun to play in. You know, I mean, that's what you want to do. It's yeah. It's where you like the game to be played. But a, obviously a huge win for OU um, sets them up really well. Like you said, they're on a pretty good run right here, the hottest team in the league. And, um, you know, uh, I think they've, you know, we, I think we talked about this the other day. I think they got a pretty good stretch run in them, <laughs> and it, it, they're into it already. Yeah, I think they, they definitely. I mean, getting past this seemed like, uh, you know, one of their, their toughest roadblocks remaining. Uh like I said, they've got Kansas at home and and at Iowa State. Those two finish off the Big Twelve slate, but you've got a chance to have a lot of lot of momentum uh, going into those last two if if you keep things going. But uh, it was it was tremendously fun game to watch, tremendously fun game to cover. Uh, the the players had a lot of fun with it. I know Isaiah Cousins said it felt like he was back in New York, you know, playing in the street, just running up and down the floor. Uh, a well played game. Uh, on both sides this wasn't I mean 94 83 you hear that you know where's the defense what are they doing Uh, I don't think either of these defenses played particularly badly it was just the tempo at which the game was played Uh, teams were making shots I mean Iowa State was everything that they threw up early was going in they were 9 to 12 from behind the three-point line uh, until just a couple minutes remained in the half yeah, just doing a tremendous job, even with guys in their faces. Buddy Heald, uh, I thought, did a really good job on on George Niang, which was a little bit different matchup than mm-hmm. I think a lot of people anticipated. They uh, did some switching out there. They treated Niang as a guard, and that clearly paid off. I mean, uh, you know, George Niang uh, only finished with seven points and, and six rebounds. We're able to to really neutralize him uh, beyond that, but. It was, I think, the most fun game probably that I've covered uh, 
since I've been covering OU for the last two seasons. And good news, too, sounds like the officials played along. Yeah, they did. And sometimes they can get in the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm not bashing anybody here, but I think sometimes the officials get in the way. And uh, good to see that they didn't in this game that was that was kind of flowing and, and uh, flowing well for both teams. And uh, just let guys play when – I mean, call some fouls, obviously, when, when <laughs> it needs to be, but – yeah, yeah. They, they did. I mean, just looking, for instance, at your game on Saturday against Kansas, uh, what was there, 45 free throws uh, total? I know that game uh, slowed down in some points. Uh, total the other day, and this is, again, with uh, 177 points scored, total 20 free throws, and OU had just six and those those were all in the final six minutes of the game, or six fifteen, something like that. They didn't didn't make it to the line once since then. I, I know there were some fans sitting behind me. I saw some fans on Twitter that were a little fired up at the officials. But you know what? As long as you're consistent with it, let the guys play. Yeah. Let it. Let's let's determine it with you know layups, with three pointers, with jumpers with solid defense rather than uh, at the free throw line. Yeah, if you're getting buckets, you don't need the free throws anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, they were 39 to 77 yeah. from the field. They hit 10 three-pointers. Yeah. They were doing all right offensively, making things That's happen right. on their own. That's right. And uh, I, it's good to see that because I'll be honest with you, I've seen a lot of free throw shots this year. And I've seen – You've seen some bad free throw shooting I've seen this year. some bad free throw shooting as well. But uh, there were times you, know, you sit on the baseline at Baylor. You know all about that. You sit right there into the bucket – and they were at With least the bass pounding in your yeah, ears. Yeah, but it was. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it was pretty tame in there the other night. Um, there were several times where officials were just clearly guessing, you know, at their calls. You know, yeah. Were, I mean, they guessed because I witnessed guys not making any contact and they getting called for a foul. And it's like, why? Why you? <laughs> why do you guess? Either see it or don't see it, and 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 move on. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I. I would much rather see them, you know, take a call that you think there was probably a foul, but you didn't see it, and letting it go rather than, uh, you know, being overly officious the other way and and just slogging down the game and making it, frankly, boring. And unfortunately, a lot of college basketball is boring these days. It is, and I think that's a big part of it. And I don't you know. There's there's probably a lot of elements to that, and that's probably a separate podcast on its <laughs> own. But yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, if, if if you want to wonder why people maybe are staying away a little bit, that might be the entertainment factor. Yeah, n- no doubt about that. I think it starts with uh, just really quickly. Uh, I think it starts with shrinking the shot clock a little bit. I mean, 35 is way too much, whether it's 30 or even less, mm-hmm. you know, 27 maybe even, to, to get a good flow in the offense. I think uh, – that would be a, a really good start to making college basketball a more exciting game. It would be, yeah. I, I think that's a, a good idea, and I know we've heard talks about shot clock, you know, getting squeezed a little bit. We just haven't seen it. Yeah, and it's it needs to happen because this can be such a such a fun game, such an exciting game uh, when it's played well, but uh, when outside factors get. Uh, you know, get brought to, to front and center, then it can be, you know, a snooze fest. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of college basketball is these days. All right. Cowboys go to TCU this Saturday. You yeah. made the your first trip down <laughs> to the uh, temporary uh, home Wilkerson, of the Horned Frogs. Uh, Grainus, I think is how they said it. it uh, I was thinking grinds in my mind, but apparently that's not uh, how it is. 
But uh, yeah, it's an interesting venue. It's uh, certainly different. It feels like you're, I don't know, covering a, a high school state championship or state tournament game. You know, certainly not even the environment of the big house as far as the size of it. Uh, it's a, a solid high school gym size. Yeah. Uh, it's not overwhelming. It's not even, you know, Carl Albert or, you know, any of the, the palaces like you see uh, in some places. But it's a solid gym. A uh, little bit different shooting environment. Uh, you know, the background's different mm-hmm. than uh, what a lot of these guys are used to. It's, uh, you know, it's one of those ones where you enter at the top and have to walk down into the bowl. Uh, only holds 4,500. I think there were probably... Uh, Probably thir- three thousand to thirty five hundred in the gym. Uh, what the percentage other, of those OU day? fans? Oh, a very good percentage. I'd say. Uh, I it was. I don't know if it was quite half and half. Now it has been. OU fans have outnumbered TCU fans the last two years when they've actually gone to uh, Daniel Meyer Coliseum. But uh, I don't know if it was quite that the other day. But uh, certainly the most vocal fans in the entire place that I could hear at least were the OU. Uh, friends and family and parents because they were you know sitting right over my right shoulder uh for us it's a, a great vantage point it's something different than uh pretty much any other place in the league right now because it's uh you're sitting right behind the bench so i was sitting directly behind lon kruger uh and the ou you know managers and assistant coaches so that that's a nice vantage point i like the baseline view that we mm-hmm. get it at, at baylor and at oklahoma state uh and at some other places but uh, and at kansas uh, is another one, but it's uh, it's an interesting uh, way to watch a game, and you know you get to witness some of the interactions that we don't always get to witness or able to tell what's being said uh, at some other places. I saw Lou Hill get a little bit frustrated a couple times with uh, some of his guards about uh, plays that were getting made out there, and you know the actions that he took to to correct those things and how well they worked. Uh, you know later in the game as OU got some things turned around, so. Uh, it's interesting. I, I think it's a, a strong uh, environment for for a place that has to use some place for mm-hmm. one year. Uh, certainly they could have done a lot worse in picking out where they were going to play. All right, so regularly here we've talked about TCU's going to jump up and get someone. And <laughs> was there a, a little while there Saturday where you thought maybe OU's going to be that team? Yeah, I think late in the first half you thought there was a good chance they were going to be that team. I mean, OU – Played uh, really uninspired for most of the first half. Uh, didn't get a whole lot going at all. It's weird. It, it, they weren't as uninspired. They weren't uninspired uh, against Iowa State uh, on Saturday in the first half when they got down. They just things weren't going well. Uh, Iowa State was throwing up a lot of shots that found their way in despite solid defense, uh, and there were some breakdowns. But Saturday they got into a hole because they just played flat yeah uh even when they built a bit of a lead early things weren't really going their way they were doing it off a lot of missed shots by tcu tcu missed i believe their first 13 shots in that game uh oklahoma was able to rebound decently and create some breaks like that that uh, got them into that lead but uh amrick fields and chauncey collins two local kids hit some big shots early in that game but but yeah you look like TCU had a chance to come up and bite some people. Now OU got in a uh, same thing happened uh, Saturday. They got it this really strong push the last couple minutes of the first half and carried that momentum into halftime and then just, you know, sort of stretched the lead uh from there. 
But uh, I still think TCU is going to jump up and bite somebody that's not named Texas Tech. It's just when's it going to happen. And time's getting short. Well, and I tell you this right now, Cowboy fans hope it's not their team (laughs) because it's coming up this Saturday. Uh, And uh, I think one thing that might help them is, you know, where the quick turnaround looked pretty rough the other day when you had a game against Kansas and then had to go on the road to Baylor Monday, Phil Forte dealing with the flu. You thought, "Uh uh-oh, this is a bad thing. Well, they win that game, and now it's probably a good thing in that they have some days to distance. You know, it's not a quick turn again, you know, a couple of days later where you could really sleepwalk maybe a little bit on TCU. By Saturday, you would think that uh, the Cowboys should be back focused and ready to go. Yeah, I I don't imagine there's going to be much of a problem with just the emotional part of a letdown Mm -hmm. for this Cowboys team. I think they're, uh, you know, sort of beyond that at this point with the stretch that they've had. Uh, and, you know, looking at TCU schedule, I think uh, obviously Saturday Oklahoma State has to play well. I think even, uh, you know, we talk about letdown and all that stuff, and that's all fine and dandy, but uh, TCU's got some solid parts right. that can make plays mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, they don't necessarily have to rely on, uh, you know, just a team coming out sleepwalking because right. they can make shots better than they did the other night. Now they don't have the depth. Uh, that most other teams in this league have. But, I mean, uh, you know, I mentioned Amrick Fields. He's a guy who can uh, do some things on both on the inside and can step out and hit some shots. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, Shepherds uh, can be a dangerous uh, offensive player. So they've got some weapons there. But uh, I sort of circle that February 18th game uh, against Kansas State as maybe the mm-hmm. one that uh, has the chance of that upset uh coming to be all right i'll circle it then and uh, keep an eye on it and we'll see because everything gets very tight after that because they play uh well, let's see they play texas uh this week and then uh at home against oklahoma state and at kansas state now they could jump up and win in austin i don't think there's any doubt about that the way the way texas is playing right now and uh haven't heard the the status of some of texas's guys that have been banged up a little bit but uh it, texas uh, certainly can beat can lose to anybody at this point, but uh, then they come home uh, against Oklahoma State and Kansas State and back to back. But then at Kansas, don't anticipate no. them winning there. Uh, at home against Tech, they should win that game. Uh, but we're talking outside of Texas Tech mm-hmm. in this conversation. Then they're at OU uh, in Stillwater, and then at home against Iowa State uh, to end the season. Okay. So. Uh, not the easiest run for them, but I still think it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And uh, like I say, I'm sure Cowboys fans are hoping it's not immediately. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, real quick, uh, let's talk a little bit more about OU and where things are going with them. They uh, travel to Manhattan on Saturday to face Kansas State, uh, a game that is interesting mainly because of what happened the last time these two teams played 66-63 in overtime. Uh, Marcus Foster uh, was just in his second game back in the starting lineup. You saw the first game mm-hmm. uh, against Oklahoma State where he was held scoreless. Uh, didn't play uh, very well at all in that game, but um, was able to come back. Didn't hit a lot of shots, but he hit two really critical ones. Uh, a late floater that forced overtime, and, and then a three-point game three-pointer uh, in the final seconds of overtime that won it for the, the Wildcats. But this is a, a Kansas State team that's really had some problems recently. 
keeping things together. Had some problems, and, you know, you, you have to wonder what's going on there. You know, Foster obviously suspended currently uh, off the field issue, um, essentially suspended earlier in the season for a couple of games Didn't that, that he didn't play, didn't start. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely have some things going on. And, you know, now that they've, they've lost a string of games, you just kind of wonder where they are and, and who they are. And um, they can be tough at home. You know, there are times when, when K-State gets a great crowd in there and it's a, it's a pretty, pretty good environment. It was that way when OSU went up there. Um, they had a stripe out. You know, with perp- and the place was full, and it was it was pretty good. Um, but that that seems like a long time ago. All of a sudden, just f- from all that's happened to Kansas State here, so yeah, I think it's a great opportunity for for Oklahoma to to go in there and grab another, you know, big road win because all the road wins are big. Yeah, no doubt about that. I I misspoke earlier. I said that Marcus Foster returned to the starting lineup in the Oklahoma State game. He was out of the starting lineup for that game. Didn't score. Did played, but didn't score. Uh, returned to the starting lineup, I believe it was uh, against TCU, uh, their next game, and then was back in the starting lineup against OU. He's supposedly suspended for their midweek game, but he's expected to be back in the lineup on Saturday. We'll see what kind of impact uh, that has because the last time that he made his return to the lineup, which was in that TCU game, uh, a five-point win – uh, by the Wildcats, so they certainly didn't, uh, you know, go crazy with anybody. But uh, Marcus Foster was just uh, five of eleven from the field, but had twenty three points in that game. Started turning things around, so we'll see how he plays. I think that's going to be a big part of it. I think also uh, one of the things that sustained OU through this recent stretch, their five game winning streak, is the consistency that uh, we've seen out of their forwards. Now, we talked a little bit about Ryan Spangler and the job he's done last week, but he has just been phenomenal uh, during this stretch. Was 6 of 10 from the field the other day, uh, 14 points, 12 boards, uh, a couple of assists, a block, uh, just playing much more consistently. And then Tayshaun Thomas, uh, a guy I think he's finally found his role uh, in this offense and understands what they're doing. 22 points, 11 boards, Five assists, no turnovers, three blocks, and a steal. That's a that's a night. That's a night, no doubt about <laughs> it. That's good stuff, and and that's what I think can really elevate Oklahoma when you start looking even at it beyond Big Twelve. You know, is that I've said for a while. I think they have the best starting lineup in the league. Uh, they've they're getting a little bit more maybe off their bench lately, but man, if if, if those posts and those guards find a way to start playing together and play consistently like that. They're going to be a they're going to be a load, and uh, that'll give them a great chance to to beat Kansas when when Kansas goes into Lloyd Noble, um, because Kansas isn't very good inside, you know. <laughs> yeah. Perry Ellis is pretty good, and Cliff Alexander has his moments, you know. Yeah. But um, there's things you can take advantage of exactly down there against them, and when Ellis isn't hitting, uh, he he was hitting for big stretches, especially the first half of that first meeting between OU and KU. And uh, that allowed Kansas to build that big lead early in the first half. But uh, when Ellis isn't hitting those shots, things can get a whole lot uh, more dicey for them. And uh, also, you never know what you're going to get out of their young guys, Ubre and and Alexander right. and those guys. You know, uh, those a lot of those guys were on that night, and it was still, uh, you know, probably the the best game. I'd say it was probably the best game in the Big Twelve until maybe that uh, OU Iowa State game the other night that. Uh, kicked it up a little bit more. You're seeing all the good ones. It, it's it's been a fantastic year for for seeing 
some really good games. It's uh, this OU team, uh, they don't make it easy on their fans. If you come out and, and root for the Sooners, you know, you're not going to be able to, to pack it up at halftime a whole lot and, you know, go celebrate the rest of your day. But uh, it, it's certainly going to be exciting for you because they play an interesting brand of basketball. Uh, you know, they're able to mix what they've added to their defense with still keeping some of the tempo uh, that they've added, uh, that, that they've used the last couple of years. Uh, it took them a long time to, you know, sort of waddle through that and figure it out. But uh, finally doing some some good things on both ends rel- relatively consistently. But let's see how they finish the uh, the Big 12 schedule because it's, uh, it's a grind, as we've talked about all year. But, uh, you know, we've talked a little bit about Saturday's game in Manhattan at Bramlage Coliseum. Uh, I don't see OSU having a lot of problems Saturday against TCU, but – uh, you know what's maybe the one key to this game that that they really need to to keep doing well to keep this run going. I think it's just the energy, you know, and it's something we've talked about a lot. And it seems like they've turned a corner in that area. Um, this team has to play hard, and they have to play hard on defense to be good. And they've done that lately, and uh, just continue to do that. I think Nash is going to get his shots and get his points. You know, Forte. You know, those two guys will be going home. So. You know, yeah. that, that's been a big deal. You, you mentioned OU having a lot of fans down there the last couple of years. Uh, OSU has had a bunch of fans at, at TCU's place the last couple of years when they had also Marcus Smart was involved there. But a lot of people coming over to friends and family and, and uh, coming over to see Lamariah and Nash and, and Phil Forte play. It'll be interesting Saturday, though. I had, I had forget who it was told me that one of the issues that TCU's having at those home games is a lot of those tickets have been sold. Yeah, and they had the uh, the official attendance that they listed was forty five hundred, which is how much the place holds. Yeah. There was not forty five hundred people there. Yeah, apparently, to have tickets in the new building next year, you had to buy season tickets this year. Yeah, so people bought those season tickets, but they're not putting them to use, and they're not selling them or giving them away. So um, it's for, for a team like OSU or OU to get a hold of those tickets, it's almost impossible. Yeah, you I mean you get your the small allotment that you have, and then you try to cobble together as many uh, other places. You know, I'm not sure what OSU's done. I'm not sure what other places in the league have done. I like what OU does. They have a a, a way for those tickets to be uh, one sold. Uh, if if you want to do that, you want to sell them for face value, you can do that uh, through the OU system. But also, uh, you can give them away to charities and and do some other stuff. Uh, like that to ensure that people uh, get in those seats because that's been a problem at OU at times has been the the difference between the amount of people in the seats and the number of tickets sold has been very great right uh, for for long stretches of games. OSU is, is looking into ways to try and do some of those things because they're not getting the same uh, crowds of people from Tulsa and Oklahoma City, especially for weeknight games that they once did. You know, the Thunders involved there and, and other entertainment things. Uh, and so they've got to figure out a, how to way, out a way, especially in the midweek games, like I said, when tickets aren't going to be used, put them in somebody's hands and put butts in seats. You know, you, get, you got to be able to find a way to do that. It helps your team win, you know. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, especially in an environment like or like uh, Gallagher-Iba, I mean, the, the way that that place can get so loud, you know, when it's filled up uh, – you know, Lloyd Noble has never never had the reputation as being one of the loudest places in the league, but I also think that makes 
makes it a bigger difference when it's, you know, just a, a regular crowd mm-hmm. or light crowd versus, uh, you know, a pretty packed house like we saw the other night. I think uh, one of the big improvements to the atmosphere at OU Games this year has been uh, the student section, I thought, has gotten a whole lot more involved. I mean, this is a student section sort of like the overall gym. It hasn't had the, you know, reputation as being one of the rowdiest and had the reputation of being one of the loudest or uh, making it the most difficult on other fans or anything like that. But they, I, they, I thought they've done a fantastic job uh, in recent days I th- or recent games. Uh, had a great turnout the other night. They were loud. They were there early, and because of where they are on the the field or on the uh, court at OU, they're on the end where the uh, opposition's bench is, and right on the floor. Uh, if they're loud, loud and going crazy and being rowdy, then that can uh, change the environment on its own without even being uh, you know fully sold out everywhere else. Makes all the difference, and you know, we've seen that a bunch of places. They've taken the the students away from where they used to be at Baylor. You know, I was used to having those guys right behind us, you know, on the baseline. That's not the case anymore. Yeah. And it's it really affected their atmosphere, I think. All the all the noise at Baylor is uh fake. Yeah. It's all piped in. Yeah, I I thought that was a huge difference uh when we went down there earlier this year. I mean, you know, it's not the easiest wasn't the easiest work environment to have for us. You know, having generally we had cheerleaders mm-hmm. right behind us, right standing behind, right behind our chairs, and then students, you know, right there, you know, two feet back of us. But it made the environment uh, so much more. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the word I'm wanting to say is just uh, just a more unnerving mm-hmm. environment for uh, for opposition uh, for opposing teams, and it was you know, much different uh, this year going down there and, and experiencing what it's like with the students moved a little bit. And I'm not sure exactly why they moved them either because it's not like, you know, that that gym for most games isn't, uh, you know, brimming with people. No, and it's it's not a great atmosphere. It's not a great building at all. So, yeah, I th- I, I, if I was them, I'd fix that. Yeah, uh, no doubt about that. I think the the more we have the students and the the people who are going to get loud and rowdy uh, closer to the court, the better. Uh, in any environment in this league, uh, it's you know college basketball, like we talked about, can be so much fun uh, in the right places, uh, you know, with the right things going on on the floor in front of us. And uh, when that gets taken away a little bit, it it takes something away from the game. All right. Well, hey. So, Good week of uh, of basketball for both teams and uh, big weekend ahead. So it should be interesting. We'll come back next week. We might have uh, some winning streaks to talk about. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Should be uh, an awfully interesting weekend and early next week into the Big 12 schedule. Of course, it always is in this league. But uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can check out It's Still Bedlam uh, every week, and you can check out our coverage every day on newsok.com and every morning in the Oklahoma for the best OU and OSU coverage anywhere. <laughs>